On this episode, I respond to feedback from listeners and answer some of their questions. This is Indonesia in depth. My name is Sean Corrigan. I want to answer some questions from listeners, but first, I have a brief program note on feedback from our listeners. It has come to my attention that I'm speaking far too fast on the podcast. A listener in France wrote me and said, quote, Good job on the podcast. I have a question. Do you use a pitch setting or something to increase the speed of your shows? It's very fast, unquote. Another listener in Singapore asked me, quote, I found your last episode on political party coalitions very useful. I didn't know things were so complicated. One suggestion, could you please slow down? You are often speed talking, unquote. Well, thanks for this feedback, and it is very valuable and helpful, and I'll definitely slow things down. Now, let's get into some of the listeners' questions that I have received recently. A listener asks, The Parliament recently concluded a session. Can you give us a status update on what's going on there? Well, the short answer is not much is happening. Oh my god. The House completed its session at the end of July and began its new session on August 16th. Not much progress again in this session with regards to passing bills from the National Legislation Program, or Prolegnas as it's locally called. The Prolegnas is the list of priority bills that the House will focus on for the year. What was passed is the Non-Tax State Revenue Bill, locally known as the PNBP Bill. It was passed into law last session. The bill reportedly was designed to ensure transparent, professional, and accountable government services. The law also gives the authority to the finance minister on non-tax tariffs. Tariffs will now be regulated through the finance ministry regulation rather than a government regulation. Also included is increased sanctions for non-taxpayer violators by a fourfold. Those are the main takeaways, in my opinion, for the PNBP bill, which is now law. Some political observers have criticized the House, stating that not only has it failed with passing laws on the prolegnas, but often produces low-quality laws, as several of them have been challenged in the Constitutional Court and have been annulled. This continues to be a problem. There are a number of laws where this has occurred. Let's look at what bills have been extended into the next session, which began on August 16th. The Cooperatives Bill, Anti-Monopoly Bill, Sexual Violence Bill, National Entrepreneurship Bill, Criminal Code Bill, Water Bill, Constitutional Court Bill, Mining Bill, and finally, the Food and Drug Bill. There's a lot to discuss in this list, but I'll pick just a few to provide you with some insights right now. So let's talk about the food and drug bill. Oh, I need, I 
this bill has been very slow moving in House deliberations. The main points in this bill are to crack down on the widespread sale of prescription drugs and cosmetics online, both genuine and fake. Currently, there is no oversight for this, and it has been a free for all basically, as products have not been certified by the National Food and Drug Monitoring Agency, or BPOM, as it's locally known. The government stakeholders hope that the sale of all prescription drugs will be banned online, and rely instead on pharmacies that are regulated and registered. Traditional and branded cosmetics, however, would be allowed to be bought and sold online under the current bill if they have a permit from BPOM. This bill is also aimed at reducing the inflows of prescription drugs and food products coming in illegally through its borders. This comes at a time when many small retailers have been caught selling illegally imported food products. All of these cases put Indonesian consumers' safety at risk. The current draft bill intends to strengthen the authority of the National Food and Drug Monitoring Agency, while at the same time synchronizing the various regulations related to the supervision of drugs and food in Indonesia. I'll keep an eye on this bill and provide an update if there are any major changes in the next House session. Next up is the Criminal Code Bill. I've covered this bill in a previous episode, and there are still a lot of deliberations going on when it comes to this bill. I'll try and meet the bill's authors and get their insights. But as of right now, it's still slow going. But there are very, very important articles in this bill that could affect a lot of people. So I'll try to get a, an update and come back in a future episode. Next up is the Data Privacy Protection Bill. Now, the Data Privacy Protection Bill is not on the priority list or the prolegnas, but I want to talk about it and provide an update because several listeners have asked me about it. The bill is not being deliberated at this time, and both the government and the parliament blame each other for this bill not making any progress. This is the domain of House Commission One. There will be no progress on this bill in this House session. And likely won't be deliberated at all before the final House plenary session in late 2019. There is, however, a draft from the Communications and Information Ministry, which has been sent to the Ministry of Law and Human Rights for review. That happened in late March. Last June, the same ministry told me that they are still holding on to it because the House deliberation schedule is already full with the priority bills, and as a result, cannot be deliberated. The government tells me that the draft is ready to be deliberated if the House had an opening in their deliberation schedule, but they don't. Included in the government draft are articles that would provide criminal sanctions against parties who intentionally leak or steal personal data. Lawmakers in Commission One tell me that they intend to eventually base the bill on the UK General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, as it's known. The GDPR provides consumers rights when it comes to data protection. Such as having to opt in when sharing information, as well as the so-called "quote-unquote" right to be forgotten when it comes to consumer data being erased if requested, and many, many other important points. Although there have been several instances where Indonesians have been affected by data privacy and data protection violations, such as the leaking of millions of user IDs that were registered for prepay mobile SIM cards last year. And of course, the Facebook Cambridge Analytica scandal, which also affected Indonesian users. Very little progress has been made when it comes to consumer data protection in Indonesia. 
Some experts also worry about how such data could be misused during next year's general and presidential election. Currently, there is no data privacy protection law in Indonesia, and in the meantime, the government is relying on the ministerial regulation number twenty, year two thousand sixteen, and the information electronic transmission law. However, it lacks adequate protection for consumers, and there needs to be a data protection law. Countries such as Malaysia, Singapore, and Philippines already have such laws in place. Next up is the water bill. I covered the water bill previously, but just want to give you an update as this is an important bill. The bill continues to be deliberated in Parliament by House Commission Five. The aspects of the bill remain the same, basically that water is a natural resource that would be controlled and managed by the state for the people. The private sector would only be allowed to exploit this resource once all emphasis on all the needs of the people are fulfilled. Also, all water sources must be continuously accessible to the public, regardless if the private sector has permits for it. Also important are the articles that the private sector must partner with either a state-owned enterprise or a local government-owned enterprise if they wish to use the resource for their businesses. It's unclear how this would work. It would it be a joint venture or something else? It's still not clear. I mentioned this in previous episode, and until now, it's still unclear. In addition to this, bottled water businesses would be required to provide a special allocation of 10% of net profit for the cost of conserving the springs. Bottled water producers and other businesses are scared to death of this bill, and say that their costs have already increased, and that the new "quote unquote" 10% tax could put some of them out of business completely. This is definitely a bill that businesses need to watch and definitely have their voices heard now before the bill is passed. Finally, I have another question that was sent to me. Now, don't forget you can email me at info@indonesiaindepth.com. At the next question centers around the newly announced presidential tickets. Now, I know there's a lot of hype around the announcements, and everyone was rushing to provide their analysis. But there's plenty of time to do that, and a lot can happen in the next seven or so months before the election. So I'll do an episode on the candidates later. There are still a lot of important things going on besides the election, although it is fun to talk about the gossip and speculation. So back to the question from the listener. President Widodo chose the leader of the Natu Ulama Central Board and the chairman of the Ulama Council as his vice presidential candidate. And Prabowo Subianto finally declared his candidacy and chose the former Jakarta deputy governor and businessman Sandiago Uno as his running mate. A listener from America writes, quote, "I'm curious to know what happens if one of the presidential or vice presidential candidates is forced to pull out of the race for health or other reasons." Unquote. Well, my understanding is that according to Law Number Seven, two thousand seventeen, and the regulations from the General Elections Commission or KPU, is that if a candidate is unable to continue prior to sixty days before the election, they must submit a legal document to the KPU stating that he or she is. Permanently unable to carry out the tasks as a candidate, the party or coalition of parties that nominated the candidate are allowed to choose a new candidate within seven days. But the parties are unable to change their tickets or switch coalitions. Now, what happens if a candidate withdraws with less than sixty days before the election? That's not clear. Perhaps the KPU will make an executive decision 
I really don't know. A lot could happen with two months before the election. So I'll try and find out and provide an update in a future episode of what happens in this situation. Everyone should just stay healthy until election day and that will make everything much easier. Well, that's all I have today for this brief episode. But I'll be back soon with an episode on Indonesia's maritime issues. Send me your comments and suggestions to info at indonesiaindepth.com and subscribe to us on whichever podcast app you use. Also, you can listen to the podcast on Amazon's Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play Indonesia In-Depth podcast. Welcome to Indonesia In-Depth. And it'll begin right away. My name is Sean Corrigan. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back soon. The Indonesia In-Depth podcast is produced by the team at Lexico Indonesia, a political risk advisory located in the heart of Jakarta. You can find Lexico Indonesia at lexicoindonesia.com.